Welcome to After the Week. It is Denise and Will here. Uh, we are back on our normal time slide to talk about pro wrestling and everything we saw this week. Uh, Will, man, what's up? How are you? I'm great. Look, I've seen a lot of wrestling this week. I've done a lot of traveling this week. I'm seeing more wrestling tonight. Um, and it's just... It's it's a big wrestling. What are you watching movie. tonight? Uh, tonight there's a WWE house show in town, and uh, I got to hook up on some second row tickets, and so I was like, okay, I'll definitely be there. Um, and so this is going to be a fascinating trip because I'm not just going; I'm taking my children and oh, their friends. I, and oh, so, I remember this. Is this the yes. boyfriend thing? Yeah. I'll, we're not calling not it that. Say boyfriend. Yo, I'm you're sorry, not supposed Will. to call it I'm that. I'm not going to say boyfriend. But either way, my daughter's friend. Friend. And, yes. Friend chat. Friend. <laughs> Will doesn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. My daughter's friend and my son's friend, who also have the same name, so this is going to be weird. But um, I'm taking four kids to a WWE house show today. Uh, this should either be an interesting time, a really obnoxious time. Or a fun time. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm hopefully just going to like throw some cotton candy at them and be like, all right, sit down and shut up. Um, but Is your wife coming too, or do you got to take care of all the kids yourself? It's just me taking Ooh, four Will, kids. Oh, Will, bless your soul. Four <laughs> kids at that age at an event? Uh, no thanks. Yeah, they both got to invite a friend. So, uh, But hey, like they're going to get to sit second row. They're going to... Um, I already heard Veda on the phone bragging like, yeah, my dad's got it like that. And so we're just, gonna, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to go and, and have a good time, sit second row, you know, shows sold 10,000 tickets, uh, which by the way, like shout out WWE. Um, I believe this is the most tickets sold for a WWE event in Denver since I think 2012 maybe even 2008 what? and what's crazy is it's a house show the last raw here didn't do this much um and this was so why did this one do so well i think it's just because the product's hot right now i think that uh all of the attention that's on the product which like i don't think people realize none of the stars are on this show um i mean they're, they're stars on the show i don't want to knock anybody because it's gonna have bianca belair um and drew mcintyre seth rollins but like you're not getting cody um you're definitely not getting roman uh and so i wonder how many people are aware of that because you know it's one of those shows that's branded road to wrestlemania so of course yeah. people have the wrestlemania stuff in their mind but no they've sold a ton of tickets for this show and considering that this is ball arena which is one of the largest arenas in america it's where the denver nuggets play um raw's been here plenty raw was just here uh last year and they've been here twice since the pandemic um so it's it's not like it's unfamiliar territory to wwe there's been plenty of stuff here this was do you remember the denver debacle from 2009 no so that was that incident where the wwe had booked what was then called the pepsi center now it's ball arena but the uh they booked it with the expectation that the Nuggets weren't going to make it very far in the playoffs, but they ended up making it to the conference finals. And so therefore Raw had to get booted from the, uh, the Pepsi center that night and ended up going to the Staples center instead on very last minute. 
and then they ended up doing that whole episode where they like trashed Denver and had all the heels dress up as the Denver Nuggets and had all the baby faces beat them. Like that whole incident. Uh, and I had tickets to that event, by the way. Uh, and it was it was a mess. But either way, there's been some great events here in Denver. We had Vengeance 2003. But like this house show, for some reason, sold a ton. And I'll be there. Yeah, tonight. I was about to say, man, I don't even remember the last time I ever went to a house show. Like it's been years. Uh, definitely pre-COVID. Uh, I haven't been to a house show in a very long time. Yeah, it's probably been like... Yeah, I just like I remember going as a kid and for some reason I kind of, you know, I know house shows are fun and exciting, but for some reason, like me, when my uncle would take me as a kid to the house shows, once I realized that the whole show spectacle wasn't part of this and this wasn't on live television, it really did take some of the excitement away for me. And I remember like, uh, you know, seeing Chris Jericho at the time and, you know, he was my favorite wrestler. And I remember I think he won the championship at that show. And I was so excited because I thought that that meant he would be champion and I remember tuning in the next week to television and I was like why aren't they recognizing Chris Jericho as the champion because I didn't know that they didn't do that but I remember as well what kid, they would do is like they make sure to change the title like the next house show so to make sure that whatever happened reset before they got back to TV I always like I didn't know any of that stuff as a kid it's not like I knew what was happening at right. other house shows or anything like the last thing I knew was hey man I saw this guy win the title at the show that I was at and here he is on TV and he doesn't have the title and so for me as a kid I never really liked house shows and so I think that always kind of stayed with me even though I, I know like the last one I went to God I think it was in Anaheim years and years ago and I remember it was a good show it was fun but I don't know I think I need all the other stuff like I need the big stages and and the the whole show aspect and knowing we're on television I need everything the whole package but yeah <laughs> let's but get in well, also, and, and then also, by the way, um, I did a bunch. I, I did some last minute travel to Independence, Missouri this week, so I get to talk about Dynamite with firsthand experience this week. That's because, right. Yeah, because I. Uh, it was a very last minute trip. My kids are still on spring break right now, so it was like, what are we gonna do with our spring break? They had been talking about wanting to take a road trip, and. Uh, the last minute thing we're like you guys just want to get in the car and drive to independence missouri and they were like yay and then we well, ended up i just need to say something really quickly will how mm -hmm. different kids nowadays are being brought up versus back in the day if back in the day i told my mom mom i want to go on a road trip she'd be like Haha, <laughs> that's nice sweetheart <laughs> i mean look i took road trips a lot as a kid but and the reason for that was because my dad did not like to fly at all uh, my dad, I didn't fly for the first time till I was 24. Uh, I didn't, I was, I had never been on a plane till I was 24 years old. And go figure, because I'm on a plane multiple times a year now. But uh, I had been well into my podcasting run by the time I finally flew. And so, but we took road trips everywhere we went. My dad, it was like, you guys want to go somewhere? Okay, cool. We're hopping in the car and it may be a few days, but we'll be there. And so that that's what we did. But yeah, I went to the AEW basketball thing, and that was really cool. And getting to see uh, all of the basketball contests between those guys. Nick Jackson's shot is as good as he uh, says really? it is. Oh okay. yeah, no, that man made ten three pointers in the three point oh, contest. Um, the only part it was him. I'll, I'll tell you who you probably wouldn't be surprised by a couple, but I'll say that Nick Jackson can ball. Uh, his three-point shot was really good, and he won the first three-point contest, and he won 
the two games of knockout. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs hit nine three-pointers. He's pretty good. The biggest surprise and, honestly, the biggest heat of everything was Colton Gunn, who was just sinking shots, and everybody kept booing him louder and louder because, like, the guns were so hated at that whole thing. But, um, yeah, it was cool. Billy got to participate. He got to play horse with his favorite wrestlers, and, like, Orange Cassidy was out there with him. And uh, I don't know if you saw the picture of Satinam Singh. I saw that one. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. That that was cool. He was, like, deathly afraid of Satinam Singh. He was like, I don't trust you. You, I saw you hit somebody with a Golden Globe. Um, and so it was all good. It was, it was a really fun event. Those you've been to them, those AEW charity yeah, events yeah. are always really cool. And so, uh, getting to see my friends, uh, all there and having fun. It was a good time. You this week though, you this busted open, got to start your busted yeah. open role. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy. I was talking about this just off the air, but yesterday I woke up cause you know, the shows for me starts at 6am and we have a 5am meeting. So I got to be up by like 4am to like get ready and, you know, just get mentally prepared for the day. So I woke up at 4am to do the show. And then, um, my last job ended at midnight and at midnight i'm barely walking out the building so it's like you know you think about all the scope of hours and i'm just like oh you know like literally and i after this podcast is really my time off and it's a little bit of time off because i have to upload all these videos so it and then we're going into wrestlemania week so i'm feeling very just like you know, I, I'm I'm treasuring any moment that I can get to kind of just like relax for a second. But um, I had a really good time yesterday doing the show, and I'm excited to see uh, how it goes. Uh, but we got a couple of super chats to get into, and then we'll get right into our list here. But just a heads up, guys, if you do want to help support this podcast, please, your super chats uh, really do help us out a whole lot. And you also get your question, your comment, or statement read here on the stream. We got one here from Furthausen, who was our first super chat of the day, who says, "Worst of the week for me is Alexander and James." injured before sacrifice dude i feel so bad for josh alexander and mickey james but um primarily josh alexander because he was literally on the run of his lifetime you know he you know he really busted his ass you know all of these years of grinding to finally get up into this level and you know impact wrestling has really done him right by the way that they presented him as champion all of the different matches that he was having the different types of caliber of matches that he was having and for those of you who would listen to um, when I was doing the impact reviews on um, Fightful back in the day. Um, we would talk about this all the time. Josh Alexander's matches were literally always just such a great storytelling uh, experience. And so I really do feel really bad that um, this historic reign of his kind of had to go out or, you know, in this way. But then again, it's pro wrestling. So, yeah. Uh, I, you know, for it to be the record setting reign, you always hate to see a reign that's made it this long in this way. You know, I always think about John Cena's like signature reign, the 380 day reign he had, but then he ended up tearing his peck and having to relinquish the title. And you'd never want to see a reign that's been this good in this way. And it's, it's the same thing for Josh Alexander. It's like, it's, it had gone on this long. And when it goes this long, you want to see it have a big payoff. Um, it would be like, could you imagine if Roman had to relinquish the title oh, at this God. stage of his career? Like it's it's not what you want to see, um, and so that's unfortunate. And it's it's a really bad situation. At least with Mickey, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Right. But if we at least know that she's going to be working, and that um, you know, it's it's a brief time off, but uh, it's not as significant as what happened with Josh Alexander in the tricep right. tear. 
Right. We got a super chat here from Mr. CJ Lilly, who says, my week is the all Alexa news from her awesome performances as on The Masked Singer and the exposure that gives her to break out of WWE and her skin skin cancer scare that caught it early and she's healing. Get your skin checked. Uh, stay safe. Yeah, Alexa Bliss was in the news a lot this week, um, one of which included her uh, basically uh, taking some time to uh, remove, I guess she found some sort of like mark on her skin and, you know, she got it checked and from the sounds of it, she got it removed very fast and it seemed to be like a quick uh, type of thing. So that's definitely good to hear. And then she was on The Masked Singer. You know, I've never seen The Masked Singer aside from clips that I've seen on the internet. Um, but I was definitely not expecting it to be Alexa Bliss. And I thought, this is great because I feel like, you know, WWE should have more of that type of exposure for their wrestlers. So getting to see Alexa Bliss get this opportunity, I thought that was really freaking cool. Yeah, it's. I've seen a couple of episodes of The Masked Singer because my daughter really likes it. Um, I mean, Alexa was one of those ones where unexpected because uh, she doesn't necessarily have like a signature voice. It was like, you remember when Chris Jericho was on and yeah, everybody was that's... like, oh, that is very obviously Chris Jericho. Nobody else sounds like that. Uh, and, like everybody could have guessed it. If, yeah, as like, long as you're like, no, Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you know that voice, you're like, that is absolutely Chris Jericho. Uh, I mean, that's supposed to be the, the beauty in front of the show is that sometimes people will shock you. Other times they'll be like, no, that is very obviously this person here. Like, I think when Sam Smith was on, it's like, yeah, nobody else sounds like Sam Smith. You know who that is. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's, I like shows like that. I suppose they're they're the types of shows that I can get into and then use my daughter as an excuse and be like, yeah, this is why we watch this. Mr. CJ Lilly sends in another super chat saying, and we know why she wasn't on TV and that she'll at least be at the stadium at WrestleMania for something. Whatever that is, just glad she's happy. Uh, of course, Mr. CJ Lilly always showing some nice love to Alexa Bliss here on this podcast. Uh, so thank you so much to Mr. CJ Lilly for sending this in as well. Um, okay, and we're all caught up with right now with the super chats. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into it. I uh, will. I feel like we should get right into our list. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and kick you off and let's go what was your third best of the week i mean look i'm gonna be honest i don't know if this show is gonna go a terribly long time because my prediction is that she and i have the exact same list. i don't think no 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 and i will tell you why i know we have probably one that's definitely similar but i know our two our first two are not and i i I don't and i also know that our worst probably isn't either i don't think worst is but okay let's see so my number three is the big payoff to Rey Mysterio and Dominic. We saw Rey Mysterio finally put his hands on his son. This man has been waiting to beat his kids since 2012 when he tweeted, can't wait to beat my kids. Um, And he finally did it. Uh, This has been a long time coming. I know a lot of people were saying that they didn't like how long this had been uh, strung out. But honestly, I think... They paid it off in the right way. I think that uh, for weeks and weeks of Ray just saying, I'm not going to fight my son. I'm not going to fight my son. And uh, for him to finally, uh, the the straw that broke the camel's back was, of course, the disrespect to uh, his wife, to Dominic's mother, to all of that. That was finally where Ray had no more. And I like that that's what it finally took to get him in the ring. Um, it showed that there's... It showed a lot for Ray's character, and on top of that, it made Dominic come off as more despicable than we could have ever thought he was. 
Um, and the crowd went for that moment. I thought that uh, that Vegas crowd, they ate it all up. The moment that he fought. Look, there are very few instances where people will get a giant pop for hitting their kids. But uh, Rey Mysterio got it. This was a great moment. I liked everything about this. This was a great, great payoff. All right, well, I guess it's time to let you know that that's also my number three. Okay, and I was worried too. I was like, I know we're both going to have this one on the list. I feel like you have to have it on the list. But for me, the reason why I picked this as my number three was mostly because of the shock value, not because of the shock value of this happening because we knew that's what they were working towards, but the shock value of me Going from I absolutely hate this, this from the very beginning when we first started seeing Ray and Dominic Mysterio, you know, come out together and this and that. I'm like, oh, my God, he's bringing down his dad. This is so bad. This is so boring. And then we finally get into this feud. And, you know, obviously there was some gems and then a prison dom happened. And that really was the kind of the catalyst for me even caring about Dominic Mysterio. So um, if you would have told me like back in the day, like when this whole thing first begun, that this would be something that would get one of the biggest pops heading into WrestleMania 39, I would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that can't be it. Like, I can't believe that aside from like the bloodline and, uh, you know, a couple of really not, I can't even think of anything else. Like, this is one of the stories that has legitimately gotten a huge reaction from people. And that to me is the shock value portion. The fact that I went from zero to a hundred on this story. And so we talk about Ray and Dom here. And here's the thing that I want to talk about. It got to the point where we knew Ray Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio had to happen at WrestleMania. Okay. Maybe we didn't know if it was going to be a singles match, if it was going to be a tag team match. We didn't know exactly, but we knew it was going to happen. And it started to get to the point well, where I'm like, you know what? Ray needs to do something already. He's starting to piss me off at this point where I'm like, Ray, you're starting to look like not like a man. You need to set your kids straight and give them a good spanking or something. And I remember thinking too, like, how did you want to see it done? By the way, you just, uh, I didn't the care, the... man. I wanted to see anything. I was like, I don't care at this point. Ray Mysterio starting to get on my nerves that the fact that he's not doing anything about this. And I get that that's the point, right? Like the point is that we're supposed to be like yearning for this moment to happen, which is why we, ended up getting such a big pop, such a big reaction. But when Dominic was in his mom's face, hollering and yelling at her and telling her that she's a deadbeat mother because she supported his deadbeat father, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, this story has gotten so inaccurate. And you want to know why? Because as a Mexican, I know for a fact, <laughs> if I ever got into my mom's face or my grandpa's face or my what grandma's is it, the face, Bro, I would have been beat. I would have been like, you let's like we're we're taught values here, okay? You do not disrespect your your mother, your father, your grandparents. You do not disrespect anybody in the family, uh, especially those that are older to you. Like they set you straight, man. And so I was at the point where I was like, this is so inaccurate. If if this was a real uh, you know, Mexican m m family here, this would not have gotten this far. Dominic would have learned his lesson a whole long time ago. So I got to the point where I was like, okay, this is starting to get super inaccurate and super lame. Uh, let's get something here. So when the moment finally came, when they showed that shot of Rey Mysterio, just kind of like looking like he's, you know, really thinking about what's going to happen and him finally going out there and, uh, you know, punching 
Dominic Mysterio. I cannot believe that in my, because I was thinking these thoughts right before. I was thinking like, Ray, I'm sick and tired of you not doing anything, which means that the storyline worked. And so finally he hits the punch and everybody pops and I'm thinking, oh man, that's great. They finally did it, finally. And part of me was also relieved too, because I know the prediction was going into this that maybe he would do some sort of attack at the Hall of Fame. And one of the things that I kept saying on my uh, SmackDown post show was I didn't want to see an attack happen at the Hall of Fame. And I don't know, maybe there still will be one. This one doesn't totally mean that there won't be. But I legitimately do want to see a nice, straightforward, classy uh, Hall of Fame induction for Rey Mysterio. But I'm pretty sure we're still going to see some form of an attack uh, happen during this. So because of that, it definitely is my third best of the week. But we got a super chat here from Jose Palomares who says, just want to say that dad is always so great with different guests. Joe Pearl was awesome on Friday's show. As always, thank you, Denise, for being a badass. Thank you so much to Jose for sending some love over uh, to Will and Day After Dynamite and for also sending in the Super Chat. Kaden that C- is a really hard show to maintain, by the way, because having yeah. to book a different guest every single week is... Like, and making certain- sure that your viewers like every guest, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then sometimes I'll look up and go, oh, crap, I didn't book anybody for this week. And luckily, I have a number of people I know that are like always at home and I can count on to be like, okay, Hey, I forgot to book somebody this week. Can you come in last minute? But for the most part, I try to keep that show booked ahead like two months. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Yes. I say, I say your goal for next year should have everybody planned out for like the whole year. You have to start working on it now though. I know I would have to start working on it now. Hey Denise, what are you doing in August? Now, anyway, uh, what's the next one? We got a super chat here from Caden C. who says, finishing up my 11 hours on a 24-hour WrestleMania watch-along. Wanted to jump in here to say Kenny Omega is the god of pro wrestling. I love how you're watching WrestleMania, but yet you came in with the Kenny Omega is the god of pro wrestling, obviously because of his match with Vikingo. Um, but still, it's kind of funny, though. Uh, thank you, Caden, and uh, have fun doing your 24-hour uh, WrestleMania watch-along. And I think that leads me into really quickly because uh, the Wrestling Rewind, I officially have all of the episodes, all of the reviews that I did, a bunch of them that I did with Will too, are up for members only here on YouTube. So if you do join the members only uh, portion of the YouTube channel, uh, you do get to watch all of those reviews, WrestleMania 1 to 38. And then for free for all people, all subscribers, I did post a top 30 list where I pick my top 30, my top 30 favorite WrestleMania matches. Not the ones that I think are for everybody, but my personal favorites. And you can go ahead and check that video out. Uh, It is up there right now. Anime Otaku 2 sends in a super chat saying, is a spot with Dom over Ray's knee um, to be too silly? It's a spot with Dom. I think you say what a spot. Oh, okay. Where like he's getting spanked. Oh, the crowd would pop for that. At least at some point during the match, even if it's just like a trip up spot, and he lands over his knee, and then Ray like gives him a spanking or something. That'd actually be kind of great. Yeah, I, I I think so too. I don't know. I mean, is it you when you ask too silly? I mean, come on, we're talking about the prison Dom character. I think at this <laughs> point we've crossed over into silliness. The second we saw the fake teardrop and and the jail thing and all of this, I mean, we crossed into silly uh, a long time ago. Honestly, uh, we got another super chat here from Brandon Rosen who says, "Given that Ray is being inducted into the Hall of Fame, do you think that the match at WrestleMania will be his last? Maybe Dom wins, Ray unmasks and gives the mask to him. This is something that I've been bringing up. Will I don't know." If this is going to be his last match by I feel like we they would probably uh, promote that but because there is so much here that perfectly aligns WrestleMania his match against his son 
Hall of Fame induction, you know, in the neighboring city right next to uh, San Diego. Uh, you can't help but to see all of those things aligned. And if this were to be his last, you know, hoorah, I really do think that it would be kind of perfect because it'd be like all the little stars are kind of aligned. Like if I was like if I wanted to go, I probably would want to go in, in a fashion like this. I could see that. It's not his last match, uh, but I can see the thought process behind that. Yeah. And if it's not, I think we're nearing, though. We're nearing towards the end, man. I think so. What are you? How much How much, How much? much more do you think we're going to be seeing of Ray? Till he's in the grave. I think that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he can resist. I think he'll definitely slow it down, but I don't think he ever plans on stopping. I know people Ray has told that he wants to work with in the future that uh, aren't even in the company at the moment. And so, no, I don't think he's ever going to stop. He's got them plans. Ryan Lambert sends in a super chat saying, as a Mexican kid, if I raised my voice at me mama, uh, she would have given me the biggest chancla whooping of my life. For reals. I remember when I was a little kid and I would get yelled at, Will, I used to tell my grandma, I'm going to call the cops on you and this and that. And she would laugh in my face. And I was literally such a chicken and I never did it. But it was so funny because like the fact that I've thought that I was brave enough to even consider the idea and I never did anything. So here's what's interesting. So I've met your mom. Um, So I'm trying to recall. Your mom is taller than you, right? Yeah, like about an inch or two. Okay, that's what I'm recalling. Um, Okay, so you never really reached that point because I will tell you, when I got bigger than my dad, I got bold. Like once, (laughs) because I was always afraid of my dad until the point I reached where... Uh, I realized, hey, and I'm like an inch taller than my dad, but it was like, oh, I've got this inch on you. What now? And, <laughs> <laughs> tell me to go clean my room now. What? Um, but it turns out he's got old man strength, and that's a real thing. So uh, lesson here is don't try to fight your dad. Um but either way, so you never really reached that point. And where... I never wanted to fight my mom like ever. <laughs> like we got into it. Like we got into like those of wars, course. especially. And, you know, I know you're about to be soon to be raising a teenage daughter. Uh, when you get there, oh, those wars that she's going to be having, especially with her mom, because it's always teenage daughters and their moms. They get into it. I feel like I hate to say this, guys, and I know we have a majority of guys on here, but guys, I think, are not as mature at a certain age and so they don't really have these thoughts and you can kind of as a parent easily kind of maybe trick your kid a little bit fool them just a bit but i feel when it comes to your daughter daughters are usually a lot more smarter and more aware where they'll call you out on your shit i don't know will are you seeing this already like I mean, is it yeah I'm, I'm your seeing this already. Your son? look are you kidding me my so no my my daughter and I, we we are like this. All right, she. It always uh, is she, like that. Yeah. That's exactly how that is, and uh, like she. Only reason I can't call my daughter my best friend is because it's weird, and but yeah. otherwise we share taste in music <laughs> and all of this stuff. But my wife and my daughter, on the other hand, my God, uh, I know it's going to be a war if they ever have to work on anything together, if they're ever building something together, if they're ever, if uh, I had to stop my wife a couple weeks ago because she walked in the room and she's like, oh, let me help Beta with her homework. And I went, this is not gonna go well. And uh, she's like, I can help my daughter with her homework. And I'm like, okay. And I just kind of sit back and watch. And sure enough, it was one of those instances where um, 
she goes to show Veda how to do something, and Veda's like, well, that's not how we were taught in school. And she's like, well, I'm just showing you a quick way. She's like, Mom, that's not how we were taught. And then they, like, start squabbling at each other, start screaming at each other, and I'm like, I just know that's just how the energy is with the two of them. That's... But I'm sure they'll be best friends as adults. I'm sure a lot of people here are probably like associating this with people in their own life. But trust me, it happens. Um, All right. Thank you so much to Ryan Lambert for sending in that super chat as well. We got another one here from D who says, do you think Jay White will join WWE? Man, I feel like this question gets asked all the time. And I feel like my, um, my, my answer here is still pretty much the same. I legitimately do not know at this point. Uh, Will, do you have a, 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 answer that you feel is pretty strong i have been hearing things all over the place and so i have no confidence in anything right now as far as what jay white does next what do you Um, want to see do you prefer him in AEW or wwe so my problem with him signing to wwe is that i need to know that there's a plan for him outside of bullet club retreads and i say that because um I look at the signing of Gallows and Anderson and how they were brought in to be with AJ Styles. AJ Styles gets hurt. Man, I forgot they were there. I know. And now you don't see Gallows and Anderson anymore because they don't have anything for them outside of that. It's one of those, uh, we brought them in for one purpose. And because they're not here for that purpose, you just won't see them anymore. And I think that that's... I hope, like, I, obviously you have to do some kind of Bullet Club thing just because you have um, two previous Bullet Club leaders in WWE. There's something you have to do there. But at the same time, I feel like if you bring him in, you got to do something kind of different with him, something that's uh, a unique showcase of who he is. And I hope they have more ideas than just, hey, we got Bullet Club leader here now. Let's put him with the other Bullet Club leader. Uh, let's have him feud with Finn Balor. Let's have him feud with AJ Styles. And we don't really have anything after that. I hope that's not the case. And that's the thing, like, I feel like there's just so much to analyze here. Uh, If I wasn't sitting here thinking that, you know, I'm on the boat of I still think, you know, Vince is, you know, uh, has his finger, you know, his fingerprints on a lot of what's going on. If I wasn't sitting here feeling that way, I would be like, yeah, you know, Jay White WWE because and the only reason why I say that is because I do like what they've done with Cody. And really, Cody Mm -hmm. is the only right now, the only person that I would say, or the only example that I would say gives me some comfort in seeing somebody, um, you know, like Jay White coming into the company where I know maybe things will feel different and they wouldn't treat him just like, you know, a rando on the roster. But at the same time, I'm like, I just don't know right now if that's necessarily the best option. And I did feel like a couple weeks ago before I was really feeling like Vince's fingerprints were on the show, I was feeling a little bit more comfortable with Jay White going to WWE. Now I'm a little less comfortable with the idea. Um, and when it comes to AEW, the whole thing, it's like the pros, the pro for me of him going to AEW, or at least as a fan, is that there are so many different matchups that I would want to see. I do feel like the storyline would, or, or whatever story purposes they give JY on AEW, I do trust that it'll be entertaining and fun and they, um, you know, this and that. The one thing that I do have kind of... Uh, the con that I would say in this is that I feel that we've been seeing so many people come into AEW and not everybody is on the show, you know, on a weekly basis. We're not seeing these people. And so for me, I, and I'm not going to say that this wouldn't, that this would happen to Jay White, but there is that possibility of that possibly happening to Jay White. Yeah. So, and uh, I, I can agree with that too. It's hard right now because, uh, 
when you look at the WrestleMania lineup right now, and I have said that there is a point where a roster can get too full. When you look at the WrestleMania lineup right now, and there's, what, 13 matches right now. There'll probably be 14 by the time uh, WrestleMania rolls around, so seven each night. That looks pretty good. And I said this on Grapsity yesterday, but you notice there's barely anybody that Triple H re-signed on WrestleMania this year. Um, the only ones, I think, that are on the Dakota? card uh, is, are Dakota and Braun Strowman. And I'm pretty sure that like the final tag team will end up being like Mia Yim and Candice LeRae or something like that. So you have a few of them. But a lot of those guys, um, your Karrion Crosses, your... Johnny. Uh, yeah, yeah, Johnny Gargano um are not on the show this Hit year row. right <laughs> and so i, <laughs> I, I think like about uh, to that. <laughs> but yeah i mean there, there's uh, there, 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 i heard the i heard the chuckle though i heard the <laughs> yeah. chuckle you can't hide the chuckle but like i i feel like um and so when i look at it and granted a lot of these guys aren't going to be around after wrestlemania roman's going to be gone um uh, you're going to have uh you know you're not going to have Logan Paul on the show or Brock Lesnar or any of those guys, Roman Reigns. Um, and so once they're gone, yeah, you'll be able to slot some of those guys back in. But for the most part, this roster is feeling pretty solid. Like until you start kind of chipping away and getting rid of some guys, because like there's talk that Randy Orton's returning soon. Um, and AJ Styles is probably, I don't know if he's around the corner, but he's got to return at some point. A a after a while, you start to have to look at the roster and go, at what point do we have enough people here? And same with AEW. AEW, you know, there are so many people itching to get on the shows that how can you look at it and go, oh, you know what? This needs more people. Like, no, the thing people <laughs> yeah. are screaming for is, hey, we want to see the guys that already aren't getting used on the show on the show. So, gah, you know, a couple years ago, somebody said, you know what they need? Uh, wrestling needs a third major company. And I went, no way. There's not room for that. There's not a place for that. But now I'm looking at it and going, that Stop probably well. wouldn't be so Don't put that so out there bad. anymore. Don't put that out there anymore. We got so much on our plate I know. Already. There's so I much. Like, I, up, I, I don't have the time or energy for that. No. I know that. But uh, I just look at this and go, where is there room for any more people? I need to consume non-wrestling uh, content every now and then, you know? Like, I'm watching so much less and less of stuff from the outside world. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be trapped in a bubble, man. And I already but feel like I'm in that bubble. Like, they, there needs to be, I think, a willingness, especially from WWE, to send guys on excursions. Like, to go, okay, you're still contracted to us, but we are going to send you on a four-month tour of man i can't whatever. see it happening right now. i know that i know they wouldn't do Especially it but... not right now when i'm still when i'm thinking we're on the heels of you know <laughs> doing a big old welcome back party for vince <laughs> yes That's, oh my god stop it. bring out uh, the welcome back banner <laughs> Like, I know they're going to launch the whole NXT Europe thing, so that's yeah. going to be a deal. But. I think Sean said recently in an interview that they're hoping to do it by the end of 2023. But yeah. who knows? I don't know. It still sounded very far away based on what I read. Grandma Daisy sends in a super chat saying, I heard Gangrel is supposed to be at Mania. Uh, I haven't heard about that. Will, have you heard about that? Um, I know they're doing some brood stuff for Edge in the... Uh, in his return. I did confirm recently, by the way, that story uh, where Gangrel was supposed to come into AEW for Christian and it didn't, and they ended up scrapping it because WWE caught wind of it and did the Edge entrance at SummerSlam that year where he returned with the, where he did the brood entrance against Seth Rollins, that uh, 
that was a real thing that they had like music prepared for it, everything. They were going to do like this brood style remix of Kenny's theme. And that was already like, it's, I hear it mythically exists. <laughs> and, uh, and they were going to do this kind of brood parody for Christian in the Kenny versus Christian feud. But that very week, Edge did the brood thing. And they were like, okay, we have to scrap this. And But Gangrel was going to come into AEW. That is a real story. That was a real thing. They really did have to scrap that last minute. And uh, it sucks because that was actually sounded like it was going to be pretty good. I Will confirmed that this week. Will DeBeast sends in a very generous super chat. Thank you so much to Will DeBeast. And he says, my worst of the week is the Rhea thing. She handled it nicely. Third best was seeing comedy injected into Jade's storyline um, with Smart Mark and her scoffing of Stokely versus Hook. Uh, two, Stokely's comedic genius. First best of uh, Omega versus Vikingo, duh. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of what uh, Will DeBeast said here. But I do want to touch on the Rhea thing for a second because uh, that is definitely something, you know, she tweeted about it. And then uh, USA did like a little article on it where they kind of elaborated a little bit more on what happened with Rhea Ripley. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Rhea spoke out on Twitter about basically being, you know, kind of, uh, you know, harassed at the airport by fans who don't take no for an answer and um, forcing her to sign things, even though she, you know, didn't necessarily want to because a lot of the people that are there and she mentioned one person that I guess is notoriously known um, for, you know, stalking wrestlers and getting them to sign multiple things so that they could then be sold on eBay. So that's you're making money out of these talents, um, you know, without them, you know, getting from that and you're making the money off of on, on eBay, whatever. Right. But then on top of that, she mentioned that it got to the point where they were, you know, she was trying to get in her Uber and you know how it is at the airport. You're trying to do your thing. You're trying to uh, get your car ride. And if, and in real situation, she had people that were, you know, kind of not taking no for an answer. They were heckling her to the point where she uh, ended up separated from like the from the people, from the crowd of people. And uh, she was just there alone with like five other dudes is what she said on there. And she said it was a very scary situation. Then there was a short video that was put up on Twitter that I saw where, um, you know, she's very nicely. I don't know if it's the same I don't think it's the same incident. I think it's, it's a different not, incident. Not. Yeah, thank you. A different incident. But she's just kind of shown there signing autographs and this and that. And at the end, she says something like of, can I go now? Basically needing their permission to be like, hey, you can go now. Like you did your due diligence. Um, Will, this was kind of, you know, this was sad to kind of see because, look, when you see celebrities go to um, the airport, all of these big time celebrities, they got a team of people that, uh, you know, protect them that are not going to be allowing people to, you know, you just can't go up to if you see Mariah Carey at the airport, ain't no way you're just going to go up to Mariah Carey without somebody getting smack in your face, you know, and the wrestlers, they don't have I'd this. I'd be it's just so them. scared to even do so. I'm tearing up <laughs> just thinking about the possibility of doing it. That's why um, I said it. That's why I yeah. said Mariah Carey. But it, it, it sucks because, you know, they don't have that kind of protection. It's just them on their own. You're talking about Rhea being left off. You you know, having to take an Uber and it, it, it really does suck to see that. And I'm glad that she spoke out about it, honestly. Um, you know, I'm seeing people seeing, saying in the chat that these aren't real fans. These are um, uh, they're people just trying to make money. That's, I that think is that's extremely true. true. Uh, so uh, I'll give two examples. Um, the when I went to Royal Rumble, I ended up staying in the hotel where the WWE talent was staying and I had 
never seen anything like this, but it was like the amount of people who just had bags and boxes full of stuff waiting in the hotel lobby for anybody to pass by. Um, that was the first instance where I realized, Jesus Christ, like these guys, it's so bad. It's so bad for these guys to um, not even be able to, like WWE has, uh, and granted, I know, they're, they tend to be expensive. But WWE has designated events for these kinds of things where you can talk to the wrestlers, where you can get your things signed, where you can get autographs, take a picture with them, wherever. Um, and so I, I recognize that they have those for a reason because sometimes people just want to make it through. And like a lot of wrestlers have to put their hoods up, to put their sunglasses on to do their thing, to just walk through. Um, and, you know, there are times where you can like nudge a friend and be like, hey, look, it's Jeff Hardy. Um, and like, that's the most you should be willing to do, but to actually try to go up and hound them for their autograph or to throw merchandise in front of their face. The pl time I realized that these aren't real fans was the time that, um, it was after an AEW event and, uh, I was, when was that? Either way, Swerve had had a match that night. I went to see Swerve at the hotel afterward and we were just kind of, uh, chilling in the lobby and... Um, I see people just running it. I mean, I see people kind of waiting outside for any AEW wrestler to pass by, right? And somebody stops Ortiz and throws a figure in front of him and is like, hey, can you sign this? And he went, nah. And he was like, oh, come on, man, sign this. And then Eddie, he looks at it, uh, Ortiz does, and goes, first off, that ain't even me. And he looks down, and he's like, this is Eddie Kingston. And Shut the front <laughs> door, Will. Shut the front door. <laughs> and he's like, know who you're even talking oh, to man. before you decide to bother people. Um, and guy's like, oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> and, like, it, it was very clear these weren't, like, actual fans. These are people who just, like, yeah. go buy the stuff to... Uh, to then go to where they know the wrestlers are going to be, try and get their autographs and sell it. And uh, when that moment happened, that was when it clicked with me. I'm like, God, these people are really just out for a buck. Because very clearly, like, if you watch the show, you know the difference between Eddie Kingston and Ortiz. Uh, that's amazing in, in a really terrible way. But yeah, no, I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, my uncle would take me to events and I was, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know. You're like, you know, and I remember my uncle would always do this. He would always tell me, nope, you, you stay here. Whenever fans would run up and do stuff, nope, you stay here. If they come to you, you, you be respectful. You do not go out there. You do not hound them. You do not do this. My uncle taught me that at a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been like this proper person when like, when, you know, the, the wrestlers would come up to me and I'd be like really excited as a little kid, but I would always just be like, you know, if they reached out, if they reached out their hand, then, you know, and he even taught me like how to shake people's hands differently. Uh -huh. Like he taught me like, okay, if a woman shakes your hand, this is how you shake your hand. If a man comes to shake your hand, this is how you do it. And you would be surprised. But as a kid, you don't know how to do those things. You know, as a kid, you don't know to shake a woman's hand differently than a man's hand. And so he taught me all of those things. And so uh, I feel like, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, a few people are going to ruin it for, uh, you know, for everybody else. But um, I'm glad she spoke out about that and you know it, it just sucks because you know that you know for a fact if Rhea were to get you know meaner about it if she were to be like no people would be like oh she's a bitch she's this and you right. don't want to be a jerk you don't want to be a jerk because these people genuinely do like their fans do want to show their fans the appreciation but then when these people are going out there they're ruining it for the whole bunch um oh, but we sure. got 
a super chat here from Jared who says Impact caught astray when you said um, no third major promotion. Poor Impact Wrestling. You know, Impact Wrestling puts on great content. Unfortunately, it's just, I don't know. It's hard. It's weird. I mean, I don't know you have to know what I mean care. when I say a major promotion. Right, Because Impact, um, I feel like one of the qualifiers for me for a major promotion is a TV deal. Um, and when I say a TV deal, folks, I mean somebody willing to pay for your content. Um, because that means that you're then making money off of the TV product you produce. Impact does not have a TV deal. I know they'll say they're on Access. Access is owned by Anthem. Anthem owns Impact. There's no TV deal there. There's no exchange of money for content. Um, and when there's no exchange of money for content, that means that, that uh, the TV deal is not able to pay for talent. And so when I say a third major promotion, I mean a promotion that has a content rights deal with a major network or a major content provider whether that's on a streaming service whatever that is that's what i would like yeah. to see because that means that the wrestlers are able to make major money there and more buzz more buzz for the company because the con yeah. the wrestling the in-ring it's there top to bottom they have some of the best matches and uh commentary too i love impact oh yeah um, me too. i think they, have I think they commentary. do great content i i have a very I tweeted this yesterday, but I said that I have trust issues with Impact because I've been watching it since the very, very beginning. But uh, I think that they they do put on great content today. But you know what I mean when I say a major promotion. Right. RH sends in a super chat saying stoked for TJPW in LA. Supercard of Honor may likely be the best show of the next weekend. With regard to AEW, why isn't Miro uh, tearing through the roster? Um, You know, I really like Miro. Um, I kind of feel like just things haven't necessarily been, I don't know, from an outsider's perspective, based on the reports that I've seen and just things that have gone around, uh, it seems to me like things just not have been uh, aligning for Miro and AEW. It seems like they might have two different, ver I think Miro might have a, a, a version of himself that he would like to see presented in AEW. And I don't know that we're necessarily seeing that in AEW. And then I know Miro also has a lot of like outside projects that may be kind of getting in the way of that. Um, it, it, it's a little unfortunate. I, I do expect to see Miro sometime in the near future uh, back in WWE. Uh, thoughts, Will? Um. I'll address all three of these things. Uh, I I think TJPW in LA is going to be a blast. If you um, if you like Joshi wrestling, I think uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro does. Uh, they are top tier when it comes to that type of content, and I think that uh, them even putting on a show in LA surprised me to begin with. But uh, that's one of the shows I'm very much looking forward to. I do think Supercard of Honor has the best card of anything uh this weekend and i'm really annoyed that i have to leave before it begins and uh miro miro is one of those cases where when you look at the timeline of things when you look at the fact that you know he was brought back last summer and uh he was put in the all-atlantic match for the um for the all-atlantic title and he didn't win that and then he had the tag match at all out and he was on the winning side of that match but uh, the one against House of Black. And then the as the story goes, it said that he was supposed to be in that battle royal that Hangman Adam Page won, and it was going to come down to the two of them. But he ultimately didn't want to lose that. And then he was also supposed to be in the tournament going into full gear, and he didn't want to lose that either. And I think there there's just a, a bit of a conflict of 
what he believes he should be doing, what AEW wants him to do. And when it comes down to somebody not wanting to do business, um, I think there becomes a lot of trust issues in that regard. And then once you start to develop those trust issues, uh, it is hard to want to come up with any ideas to see that person back if they're ultimately going to turn down working the stuff that you need them to do. Um, I love Miro and I love seeing Miro content. I know that Miro's being paid a lot of money. And so I can't imagine Tony Khan wanting to pay him that much more money to let him sit around for the next six months. Uh, cause I think that's all that's left on his contract. Um, cause I think he signed a three year deal in 2020. Uh, but to continue to have him around that much longer, I hope Tony gets something out of Miro. And I just got to say, though, uh, and that's kind of, you know, what I was kind of alluding to where he has a vision of himself that, you know, clearly AEW doesn't have. But that's the thing, though, is that I feel like it's very hard to defend Miro in these situations because I'm like, dude, like, go out there and do what, you know, I feel like if that's if that's the creative and that's what they want to do you should be able to do that, like go out there and do the job. And so I, I, it is very hard for me to defend Miro in this situation. And I think the chat's right, by the way. Miro is signed a lot longer than that, actually, that you're correct. He did. So he signed through to when? Yeah, the 2027. Um, so uh, oh, I know Lord, he, signed, Jesus. he signed a huge deal, I'm pretty sure. Um, at least that Tim Gordon says 2027. Now I have to look into that. Um, I know Sean reported that it is a really, really long uh Oh, that feels, that feels like a bad idea. That feels like uh, that feels like it's just not. I don't. I, I don't. It doesn't. I know feel multiple like guys though who are signed to to really long deals. Yeah, um, but look at where Miro's at. Like in terms of where he's where where he's at right now with his status with the company. Like we're not seeing the guy. He's saying no to all these things. It's like, come on now, you just can't come in and just want certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And only those things. Like you gotta. Hey, you got to do some stuff. You got to be flexible. You got to work with everybody and see, uh, you know, what you can make of things. And yeah, you may take some L's here and there, but you can also get some W's within those L's, you know. Uh, but okay, uh, we got uh, Yozara Hart who sends in a super chat saying, "I worry Cody will run out of heel challengers fast." Um, I mean, they can try and heat some people up, but that's been—I feel like that has been a little bit of a struggle with you know a lot of the champions is trying to find these challengers. But uh, I don't know. I'm hopeful that they can get some good people in there. I think there's a lot of good potential matchups for Cody yeah Anime. I think that, that there's plenty of options there's guys you can turn I think that there's way more options for Cody right now than there are baby faces for Roman that's true anime otaku too sends in a super chat saying we need a billionaire for impact and a real lucha underground style seasonal um more soap opera style show I was never really my thing uh I don't know if that was your thing will it really wasn't mine I like lucha underground for what it was um, I never saw it as a major promotion, but it was a great way to showcase certain guys and an interesting, um, different side of storytelling. As far as having a billionaire for Impact, you had that. Um, are you kidding me? Bob Carter was a billionaire funding the, uh, Impact, and Dixie Carter was running it. Like, that was, you had a billionaire running Impact, and it didn't work. Um, because ultimately, you needed people with the passion for professional wrestling to make that happen, and also the resources that. Um, AEW just happened to have the the right storm of guys to have. And Kenny just talked about that on Swerve City Podcast, where he's like, it was kind of a perfect storm in that, you know, the Young Bucks knew talent, Cody knew production people, and, like, Brandy knew um, 
new medical people, and it just happened to be this perfect storm of, and like Raphael Morphy was available, and he happened to be the guy who was producing WWE's live tours, and so he had the experience of booking venues around the country, and it's like this perfect storm of all these people, Kevin Sullivan being a production guy, and Keith uh, Mitchell being a, a director of the show, all of those guys being available at once created a perfect storm to make that happen. That's the kind of thing you need to have a major promotion happen again. And I don't know that that perfect storm is available. Oscar Romo sends in a super chat saying, have you guys ever seen the video where a fan acted like a wrestler during a PWG weekend and everyone lined up to get his autograph and picture? I have not seen that video. Well, I'm sure you have. Have you seen the video? I haven't seen that though. That sounds great though, but I can fully believe that happens. I will tell you what, there was one time where... Uh, it was WrestleMania weekend, New York, 2019, where uh, I went to WrestleCon and I had actually purchased a a belt. As you can see in my background, I buy replica belts. I always look at belt vendors and I always try to see. And there was one time I purchased a belt at WrestleCon. And so I had to carry this belt around. And I had to walk back to my hotel in Times Square from WrestleCon. And so I'm like, all right, let me just do something with it. So I put it around my shoulder and me and my friends end up going to a restaurant beforehand, but I've got this belt around my shoulder. And literally I had people walking up to me who obviously didn't know professional wrestling, but say, saw, oh, this guy has a belt on him right now. He must be somebody famous. And so uh, I had somebody going, hey, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I would never <laughs> take a picture with somebody that I didn't know who they were. I'm sorry, like what? Yeah, you just, just took a picture with a guy who hosts podcasts. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, if I'm going to take a picture with someone, it better be somebody that I freaking know. Um. So, anyways, all right. I'm going to try to speed things up, guys, because we yes. still got to get to all of our other we stuff. We have so, a lot of other picks. So, Will, take it, man. Second best of the week. All right. So, my second best of the week is the Cody and Roman promo that ended Monday Night Raw. Uh, I thought that... This feud has already felt like something major is taking place in front of us. But I feel like when these two confront each other, it's always feeling like next level. And this felt like a next level segment. I thought Roman's digs at Cody were all on point um, where he talked about Cody being the guy who runs away. And uh, he said that you ran away from Stardust and then you started your own promotion that you couldn't get over in and you ran away from that. And what are you going to do when you lose here? You're going to run away. Um, like a little bitch. Is what like, he a little, like, like a, a little, little bitch. bitch. Line, yeah, like a little bitch. But then I thought Cody's comeback was A+. plus. That Cody, first off, I think Tony had to be sitting back going, man. These guys make AEW look like a million bucks here. They made it sound like Cody wasn't good enough for AEW. And then Cody turns around and goes, that promotion that I started uh, helped make 100% of the guys in the back more money. And it's like, wow, nobody took a shot. Nobody took a dig. Nobody did a bingo hall thing or anything along those lines. And But then Cody uh, telling Roman that you know what's going to happen when, you, when I beat you for those titles. First thing that's going to happen is Jay's going to leave. And then uh, then Jimmy's going to leave. And then Solo's going to leave. And then Paul Heyman, he goes back to being an advocate. And then Roman has nothing left. And the Roman Empire falls. And the way Roman had that look on his face, because he knows that's what's going to happen, that got me excited about everything that's coming up here, right? Because all of a sudden you start to look at, wow, 
this version of Roman Reigns, the head of the table, has never existed. He existed exactly one show without the universal title. But other than that, we have not seen Roman Reigns, the head of the table, the tribal chief, without a championship. What does that even look like? Do these guys want to be around him without the gold? That's what makes him the tribal chief. That's what makes him the head of the table. And the idea that that could possibly be in jeopardy and all of these guys would walk out on him as a result. And there's so many stories to tell there. That got me excited for this. This was a cool promo. I thought that um, every heel should be pointed in the words they say, even if there's some bullshit in it, they should still feel a little justified from their point of view. And then, uh, but I thought Cody's comeback was so good. And the way Roman was talking to Solo and Ro- and Cody telling Solo that he's not ready, all of this A-plus stuff, I was very excited about this. So I'm glad that you added it to your list, Will, because I was going to put it, but then I was like, damn, there's something else I want to talk about. Ooh. So I took this thing out so that I could talk about something else. So now I'm glad that you made sure to bring it up. I was like, please let let Will have this on his list so that I can at least say a couple of things about it. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think this was phenomenal. I do think that it leads, it serves a lot of, um, you know, what you said about getting excited about things. It makes the future feel promising. Um, but the reason why I'm particular like this is that I feel like all of the previous exchanges that we've had between Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, um, I kind of felt like Roman Reigns had won those in the past. Like to me, Roman Reigns was coming out stronger uh, when it came to these little confrontations. And this was the first one where I think like, yeah, definitely Cody won this one. Uh, He had a lot of great moments in this. And I feel like this was definitely one where – it it just felt a little bit more like it leaned towards favoring Cody here. And I thought previously a lot of it was Roman Reigns. So I really did like that element, that perspective of it. And I also like that they kind of, you know, like they mentioned AEW, obviously we're not directly saying the name, but we all knew what they were talking about. And this is not something that WWE has done very often. And so when they do do it, it feels kind of like a big deal. Like, Oh snap, they really went there. And that to me, it's, pretty entertaining stuff so I was very happy with the way that um all of this turned down I also finally like that Cody put his foot down in terms of not letting people bring up his dad anymore and finally kind of getting fed up with that I think yes. that was definitely something that needed to be done at this point um so to me this was all good the way that Roman Reigns and I've said this so many times but the way that Roman's Reigns uh facial expressions during everything that he has done um also helps sell Everything that the other person is saying when he was out there saying what was going to happen to Roman Reigns and everybody leaving him. And Roman had the look of like glass was shattering inside his head of, yeah, you know what? This may be happening, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to mask that and hide that all away. I thought that was really freaking great. So this was definitely a phenomenal uh, back and forth here between uh, Cody and Roman. Uh, We got a super chat here from Jared who says, "Um, what's it going to take for any promotion to take women's tag team seriously? It's not just WWE, but I've noticed indies and other pro." Um, pro- promotions as well. I mean, Impact Wrestling does a great job with it. Will? Ooh, I know, I know, I know. You have to have real tag teams. That, uh, <laughs> that you, <laughs> you can't uh, just throw two women nope. together and go, this is a team. Um, because uh, the issue with WWE, particularly in women's tag team wrestling, is that uh, they the titles were not necessary. The titles... They were not ready for titles. Um, When they brought in titles, titles should be there to 
basically reward the work of the division. That's how I always see a championship, that a title should come out of necessity. Whenever, when WWE brought in tag team titles, look around and went, you don't have women's tag teams. What are you talking about? You don't have any of those. Um, and so they, they threw together a bunch of makeshift teams to crown tag champions. And then what happened? Once you crowned those tag team champions, you broke up all those teams because they weren't real teams to begin with and you needed it. I think when it comes to tag titles, there need to be more women's tag teams. And I mean women's tag teams who are dedicated to working with each other. You know, we've got a few out there, right? And there's the Renegade Twins. And Impact has done a really good job with their teams as well. Um, but you have to have enough to sustain a division. Neither company. I, I, I don't feel like any company has enough to sustain an entire division. Because at some point, they're always going to run into, well, we've run out of opponents, so let's take two singles women and throw them together. And it never fails. Everything, when it comes to women's wrestling, needs more. You need more. You need more women, period, uh, in pro wrestling. Uh, but you also, if you want sustainable women's tag team divisions, you have to have more women's tag teams, period. And like real ones. Don't just throw people together, like you said. Uh, C. Romero sends in a super chat saying, I know I'm about two weeks late here, but to laugh about how Denise went full Jim Ross on Will when Flair turned on Batista for the E10 joke, uh, F you will, son of a bitch from the um, May 23rd uh 2005 raw i appreciate that c romero i really do thank you so much for sending that was in. that was a uh, good time batista versus edge for the world heavyweight title i believe uh oh that's the week before batista debuted i walk alone as a theme song jesus and... will stop it you would remember <laughs> that you would remember but yes, that batista uh flair did turn on batista <laughs> on that show and i remember that vividly that e10 joke was fun i mean the whole these nuts joke was fun but I think we're taking a break from that. Yeah, you have to make sure that her guard is down, which, by the way. Honestly, has... if you were going to do it on any show, this would be the show to do it because I'm not, my brain <laughs> is just not fully activated today. Nah, not going to take I'm, advantage of you yet. I'm but, not 100% at this moment. <laughs> but I will say it's been even funnier to text Denise about things unrelated. Yeah, and, and I'm like, no. Her, she's like, no, I'm not falling for it, Will. And I'm like, no, this is a real thing I'm asking you about. She's like, no, I don't no. believe you. I know. I'm like, I, th I sit there and I think about it. And I'm like, hmm, how could this turn into a these nuts joke? <laughs> like, I think twice now before I respond in a text message, my trust levels have gone way down. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so let's get this going. We still got so much to talk about. So I'm going to try to speed What's your up. number two? Um, here we go. My second best of the week. So we were talking a little bit about this promotion, just a tad bit. And then it's Impact Wrestling. And I actually got to watch a little of Sacrifice uh, this this uh, weekend on Friday. And I watched Mike Bailey and Jonathan Gresham. And damn, they freaking did such a freaking great job in that match. I had to put this here on my list because there was a lot here that I in particular liked. But um, I really want to talk about the finish. Now, before I get to the finish of the match, the reason why I did like this match, though, is because you kind of had a little bit of this clash of styles between Mike Bailey and Jonathan Gresham. Uh, you know, Jonathan Gresh Gresham is a lot more technical heavy, and uh, Mike Bailey kind of does a little bit of everything, but Jonathan Gresham's just more on the technical side of things. And I really liked how those two styles just um, – 
came together so nicely during this match here. And there were a lot of really good moments during this. There was one moment that I really enjoyed when they were on the outside on the ring apron and Jonathan Gresham's laying there and Mike Bailey does this like standing moonsault, except that the way that he lands it, his knees go right into the head of Jonathan Gresham. So it was this very, very cool spot. Um, really liked that. But I want to talk about the ending, the finish. I do not recall seeing this very often. This is not a finish you see very often. And what it was, was we end up seeing um, Gresham lock in the figure four and Bailey reverses it. And when he reverses it, Jonathan Gresham taps out and it was really fast. And that is not a finish that you see happen very often with the reversal of the figure four. And to me, that was freaking great because to me, it educates the audience in saying this is actually a moment where you can legitimately see this happen. Because usually when you see this happen in matches, you see the other person kind of stay there for a really long time. They're selling it, but it never actually really leads to a finish. And it did here. And I really, really like that. And I love the entire match. I mean, both of these guys just did a tremendous job. I love Mike Bailey. He is just freaking killing it. The guy does nothing wrong in ring. And um, I love the finish. I thought this was great. I All wish right. I had seen Sacrifice, but I fell asleep Friday night and barely <laughs> even saw SmackDown. So it's okay. I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous <laughs> of you because you slept. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and uh get into our worst of the week. Uh so Will, what is your worst of the week? Ladies and gentlemen. Charlotte Flair. So um, Charlotte uh, (laughs) uh, cut a promo this week that uh, to steal a line from Phil Lindsay felt like a graduation speech. And when she got wetted by the crowd, uh, almost didn't know what to do with it because it felt like she almost very naturally turned heel on the fans, except she's like not supposed to. And she comes up there and she's like, I want to talk about a few things. And like I said, it felt like a prepared, uh, it felt like a prepared speech that somebody would give at their high school graduation. And I'm not sure why I'm supposed to like this person in this regard. Uh, But it was the point where she started getting wedded and she goes, are you people wedding me? This is important to me. And I thought, oh, that felt like a whiff that felt so bad uh because i felt like that made her feel so much less likable here i feel like she probably needed to take that like she's such a natural heel she's natural in the heel role that's what she is yeah yeah and to position her as the baby face i think has only worked so far in this feud when dominic mysterio was involved but otherwise she's not positioned well as a babyface, And the first time that she has to be out there to address Rhea Ripley without Dominic around, without Rhea around, and the crowd starts to kind of turn on her. And in doing so, she reacts in a way that kind of turns on the fans. And this now goes back to the idea that, oh my God, if this is the main event of WrestleMania, they are in trouble because, uh, Nothing is going to get the intended reaction here. This was bad. This wasn't good. Uh, This hasn't made Charlotte look any good. I already had problems with Rhea's promo this past week um, that she had cut on Charlotte. Not so much the delivery, but some of the material I wasn't 
too fond of. I feel like you can't necessarily call somebody washed who's a champion. I think that that is um, almost counterproductive to selling your championship because you should be selling whoever is the champion as the best. They should be sold as the target, not necessarily as somebody who's past their prime. And because then what does that say for the SmackDown Women's title or the SmackDown Women's division, considering that Rhea Ripley's from Raw? So therefore, I thought it wasn't a productive promo. Um, And then I thought Charlotte here wasn't productive either. This was just bad, wasn't into it. And I thought that Charlotte made herself uh, not endearing to the fans in a way she was supposed to. Yeah, and that's been that's been a struggle because the the task here was to make Charlotte Flair endearing in the last couple of weeks. She's supposed to be endearing. She's the baby face in this. And it does not feel like that whatsoever. You know that come WrestleMania, everyone's going to cheer Rhea Ripley. Uh, there's, I mean, yeah, Charlotte's going to get a couple of cheers, but I think the majority of the people are going to be rooting for Rhea Ripley. And uh, it, it's crazy because when you were, when I, I was thinking this and then you said it, and it is true. The best or probably the biggest highlight in this Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley situation has been that confrontation with Charlotte and Dominic. Mm-hmm. How is this possible? You have two of, you know, the, the, the coolest girls in WWE, Rhea and Charlotte, and the build to it has been, uh, I mean, granted, it's been better than Bianca and Asuka, but that's because they didn't do much of that. You know, they didn't do really anything there. But with Charlotte and Rhea, they had a really good opportunity here but it just has come across very lazy and i think with the promo that charlotte did point blank like what you said it is the fact that she is a natural heel and not a natural baby face she really has to work at being a baby face and you can tell this was bad um i do not disagree and it's unfortunate because this is a big major matchup that we're going to be getting at a possible it's a possible main event for night one and we're sitting here talking about how the feud the build has been nada it's been nothing um so that's been kind of unfortunate to see but um we got a super chat here from sheldon jackson who says i think my favorite moment from sacrifice with Scott Demore, uh, the new president of Impact Wrestling, hitting the Canadian Destroyer on Jason Hotcha, the inventor of the Canadian Destroyer. So um, it was really awesome to see Scott Demore go out there and do that. That was a fun moment and had everybody going like, oh. Honestly, it's it's a big payoff to everything when you consider. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm talking about going back to Team Canada and uh, the, the early days of Impact and Petey Williams and the Canadian Destroyer and all of that. And so seeing Scott Demore hit it is great stuff. Great stuff. It's good stuff. Thank you, Sheldon Jackson, for sending in this super chat. It's much appreciated. All right. Um, it is my turn for worst of the week. So I decided to go with um one mainly because I know why they did it. But for me, the reason why it is worst of the week is because it's really just kind of paints a picture of where we're at with Johnny Gargano. And that is him taking the L to Dominic. And it's this is the first time where I've had somebody on my best and my worst list on the exact same week. And this is let's go. And the reason for this is really, I mean, I know that, you know, Dominic's going into this match with Rey Mysterio. I know all of that stuff. I know that, you know, I know why they had him defeat Johnny Gargano. But the reason I put it on my worst is because it really does suck when you think about where you were at or where I was at mentally when I thought that. Johnny, when I saw Johnny Gargano come back to Raw and it's this big reception and this and that, right? 
I'm thinking, okay, we're finally going to see the Johnny Gargano that we always thought we were going to see on the main roster. That is what I legitimately thought. I thought we were going to be getting all of these great matches with him in it. I thought we were going to finally see him in the top title picture. I was thinking all these things, and I was wrong. We haven't seen any of that. Everything has been a not great surrounding Johnny Gargano on the, on, on the main roster. And it's crazy to think that everything that I've recently enjoyed since Johnny Gargano has come back has taken place in NXT. How is that? Like, think about that. To me, literally, the stuff that they've been doing with him on NXT with Grayson Waller is literally the best thing that they have done with, with Johnny Gargano since he returned to WWE. And... It, it, it shouldn't be that way. We should literally be seeing the Johnny Gargano we thought we would be having. And given that Triple H, you know, booked all of NXT, has seen what Johnny Gargano can do, booked all of that with Johnny Gargano, and we're not getting any shades or glimpses of that on the main roster is really astonishing to me. I, I can't, I don't have any, any words for how big of a disappointment the booking of Johnny Gargano has been on Raw. And for that reason, it takes my worst. You know what's hard? I wish I could just blame booking for Johnny um, because I was one of those people who would defend Johnny against his biggest critics. Uh, but I have to say, I'm starting to feel wrong um, because I, I texted Cher Delaware um, during Raw because she was at Raw. And uh, when Johnny had come out and I was like, am I crazy or is Johnny like not over? And she's like, there's a really small Johnny wrestling chant from maybe some people on the floor that are really trying to get it going. But it's, she's like, if it sounds faint on TV, that's because it is. And I haven't felt like Johnny's been over um, pretty much. He had that first week he came out where he got that big reception in Canada when he made his return and cut that promo about being back. And it was a really good heartfelt promo. But since then, I have not felt like Johnny has been connecting with fans something's missing and as much as i would like to say that he's not being booked well there's and maybe that's true i do wonder where is what about him isn't connecting with fans to where should you be booking him in prominent positions if the fans aren't reacting to him in a way where he should be in a prominent position. That's but I don't the, think they gave us a chance. They put us, they put him right in there with this stinker of this uh, Dexter Loomis Miz storyline. I don't think they oh, gave the main roster yeah. audience a chance to even really get, you know, somewhat excited about Johnny Gargano. I feel like the people that were excited were the people that knew his work in NXT. But for those that didn't know, I don't feel like they ever gave him a, a, a real good, honest to God chance there. Like, I can agree with that. He was kind of set up with a little bit of a stinker from the very start. Because ultimately, I think a guy who's famous for being Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, a guy who's going to give you a big performance when he gets the opportunity in Elimination Chamber was a good example of that. I feel like the big issue I have is that, yeah, you put him in a, a goofy feud with The Miz and had that story with Dexter Loomis. Why is he still piling around with Dexter Loomis? Like, nobody cares anymore. Um, I think he is a guy where you can really just sell him in a Monday Night Rollins type way, where thinking about how Rollins got so over in 2017 and 2018 by just going out there and having great performances. And he hasn't been able to do that. They have not been giving him that opportunity. So that much I'll agree with. 
And we do got a super chat here from Jake Salazar, who has a very strong opinion saying, I tried to tell everyone that the people Triple H brought back wasn't about to do jack shit because Triple H sucks at this whole Booker thing. Uh, it's a very strong opinion from Jake Salazar. Look, I do not think that Triple H sucks as a Booker. I just think that there have been some, uh, they, they just, there's been, there hasn't been as many hits to justify the misses, yes, the amount I of misses that we've had. I think that uh, I think Hunter is learning on the job, but I do think that there are certain things that Hunter has been good at. And then there's other things where I think he makes some assumptions about the audience that were easy to make about the full sale audience. We're easy to make about the performance center audience that maybe you struggle to make about the, um, the live audience, you know, certain people he brought back like Candice LeRae. I think he, bungled Candice LeRae I think bringing her back and just kind of dropping her in the show and she got nothing and I think that that was kind of a disastrous way to bring her back um you kind of have to know your audience a little bit better and I think he'll come to learn them um as time goes on either that or he'll be out of a job but uh it's it's still growing with the job but thank you so much, Jake Salazar, for sending in the hot takes. I appreciate those. Uh, that's what the Super Chats are for. Send in your hot takes. Uh, we welcome them here. Jake, uh, Jay Miller, excuse me, 3389 says, um, when Johnny came back, they put him in a promo with Theory, went nowhere with that. Hopefully they call up Indy soon and maybe revamp of the way helps. See, like, that's the thing. Like, I get it. Like, I see the idea of going back and doing something with the way. But I've seen it, been there, done that. I don't want to see that again. I want them to separate Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis, and all of this as far as possible they need to just i don't know start from scratch and do something new thank you jay I miller agree. for the super chat it's much appreciated all right and i'm trying to get through uh everything here we got one from jake salazar who says learning on the job question mark ain't he been with the same company 30 years now nah, i think he's just vince jr he's awful as at his job look i can't look i'm not gonna go out here and say that he's awful at his job because i do not believe that he's awful at his job and i thought that what he did with nxt was absolutely phenomenal um and he was did a lot of learning on nxt clearly but it is a different monster a different beast to be doing nxt and then to be doing raw and smackdown and the premium live events and all of that so um i just again i'm not gonna shit on triple h's booking because i there have been a lot of things that i did like it's just that i really do think we're seeing more of that vince influence and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes man like we just don't know and to me the program has felt differently when we knew it was just triple h at least we were thinking it was when we knew for a fact that Triple H was getting in there and doing the job, you know, I sit there every week, Will. We watch Raw and SmackDown and see these shows. There was a lot of little things that I saw be done on those shows that felt different. There felt like there was some effort put into them. And then slowly but surely, it started to fade away. It felt like there was no new efforts being put in. It felt like a very mundane, we're on autopilot, let's just try to get through the week type of show. But I do think that there were some episodes that I can recall them trying different things. Like I remember one of my favorite things that I think Triple H has done was the Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins storyline. I love the way we were starting raw unexpectedly with bras in the crowd, things going on in the parking lot. Um, They were doing things that felt differently. And slowly but 
but surely that started to fade away. We started not to see that. And we started to go back to this format that we were really kind of seeing with Vince McMahon. And that's when I kind of started to think, you know what? There's something going on here. And then it was really, to me, the thing with Brock and Amos that really kind of spiraled the uh, theory a, a lot larger. And then from there on, you know, we just get this, uh, you know, report that uh, Dave put out about the uh, banned words and, you know, little things like that. And you're thinking, oh, my God, Vince may be back. And, um, you know, everything else that has surfaced regarding Vince McMahon. And it's just been like. I really do think that he just has a larger presence back there than we, See, and, and I, they're making it seem to be. I think, I don't know that it's a Vince influence thing as much as there's one name in the room that I think we're not throwing enough at, which is Bruce Pritchard, who never went anywhere. He was there the whole time. And uh, he he's been there since the freaking 80s. Um, And I think that he's one name that I think uh has a lot more influence and uh control over flow of the show than i think we were willing to give credit to and i think that um he at least plays a bridge between hunter and vince and that's probably a lot of what we've been seeing um as far as falling back into old ways right and i, and I do think that his a lot of his ideas really feel outdated and have been outdated for quite some time so um there you go jake salazar thank you so much for the for the hot take i love it all right um and let me make sure we're caught up with super chats we got another one here from jared who says the fact that we're getting better longer matches and different matchups puts triple h over vince mcmahon the bar was so low with vince man i mean we've talked <laughs> about this on the raw post show i mean the fact that we're not even seeing repeat matches that within itself is a win but thank you so much to Jared for sending in that super chat as well. Um, already, everyone, um, we got to get to our best of the week. But before we do, um, you know, running a podcast is, is a lot of work and uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And one of the things that is really hard to do is get sponsors for podcasts because there are so many um, podcasts out there and there's so many different places that people can go. With that being said, I'm so happy and so honored that Wrestle Rumble um, is sponsoring all of my podcasts this week not just after the week but they're also sponsoring speak now pro wrestling and that makes me so incredibly thankful because i love wrestle rumble and wrestle rumble i think is a really cool platform and a really cool thing for fans um for those of you who don't know what wrestle rumble is basically they do uh these prompts you go to wrestlerumble.com you buy an entry and you predict what you think is going to happen on the show and whoever scores the most points by answering those prompt questions uh they end up winning some cash Literally, the first place prize for the WrestleMania Pick'em is $1,000. And believe it or not, somebody on my on a while back on my show actually did this, entered um, via Twitter because I shared the link, and they ended up winning $1,000. And the company sent me an email letting me know this, and I couldn't believe it. So um, there is a chance to win some good money here. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like when you have a little bit of more investment in it, it kind of makes things a little bit extra fun. So what better time than WrestleMania to enter the WrestleMania Pick'em Contest over at WrestleRumble.com. Please, guys, go give them some love. Shout them out on Twitter. Um, please let them know that you heard about them here so that they can uh, feel, uh, you know, really feel like they uh, got their money's worth and their time and their investment in sponsoring this podcast. I did post the link in the description box below. If you guys do want to enter, uh, you can purchase entries and you can purchase one, you can purchase three, you can 
can purchase five entries and put in your predictions. Answer those prompts over at WrestleRumble.com. Enter uh, the WrestleRumble Pick'em Contest. Um, the deadline to enter is at um, on Saturday, April 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So right before night one of WrestleMania, that is the deadline to enter. So please head on over to WrestleRumble.com. All right. Will, um, we got a couple more Super Chats. Um, and this is from uh, Jake Salazar, who says, I just don't want anybody getting upset at WrestleMania results. Like, come on. We know how Triple H feels about minorities. I'm still mad about how he did Booker T. <laughs> oh, let's go. Let's go, Will. Um, I, I'm, ba I'm seeing your reaction, and I feel like you have a lot to say, so I'm going to give you the floor, Will. No, I have said everything over the last 20 years about that. Um, it's one of the worst finishes of all time. You just reviewed it not that long ago. It stinks. What, what else can I say about that? Um, I'm looking forward to WrestleMania. That's it. I, 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 I'm, I I'm giving benefit too. of the doubt to everything. I'm looking forward to WrestleMania. Thank you so much to Jake Salazar. All right. And let's go ahead and get to it. Will, I think you and I have the same number one, right? That's right. We're talking about Hook versus Stokely, right? Let's go. Hook versus Stokely. Yeah, that was great. Um, no, I see the chat really wants us to talk <laughs> yes, about let's that. Get I'm to sorry it. it wasn't on my list, by the way, for um, because really quick, it just oh, barely didn't make my list. It just barely didn't make it. Hook versus Stokely was very good. Honorable uh, mention. Honorable mention. Stokely Hathaway is, I genuinely think, the funniest man in all of professional wrestling. I think that um, everything from the... This uh, could have been a shitstorm, Will. It could have been horribly <laughs> awful, and it ended up being entertaining. It was so entertaining, but from the beginning. I mean, I was in that audience, and I nearly fell out of my seat at the... With all due respect, Stokely, this is a receipt for Wingstop. Uh, was very good. I didn't even see what was written on it though until I got home, and it was even better. Of the all it said was he is sick. Uh, very good. He got Doc Sampson's name wrong. Um, his uh, I ain't a killer, but don't push me. That's Tupac. Was very very good. Stokely is, and then his follow ups on social media have all been very good. I would love for this to have been on my list, but there was great stuff this week. But Stokely is a comedy genius. And yeah. I my favorite to see part him. was when he said that he was gonna retire on time. Like, oh, not <laughs> not only am I not cleared to wrestle, but tonight also happens to be my retirement. <laughs> he said, "Thank you, all twelve of my fans." <laughs> yes, that was brilliant stuff, man. Uh, Stokely just gets comedy, and he gets it, man. And I, like I said, this could have been god awful. Let's be real, Will. This could have mm -hmm. been a massive failure, and it turned it out. It turned out to be entertaining. You saw Hook in something different that we hadn't seen him in before, and then Stokely went out there and hell. Now we got uh, Stokely Hathaway is hardcore man. He's hardcore. <laughs> we just had a hardcore match out there. This was great. I loved it. Again, it could have gone terribly wrong, and it didn't. Taylor Cannon sends in a super chat saying, "Sadly, with Bruce Pritchard still in creative, I think Vince will always have influence. Bruce was uh, Bruce was Vince's right hand man for what thirty years." And I think that goes along with what um, Will was mentioning earlier. Uh, thank yeah. you so much to Taylor Cannon for sending in the super chat. We got one more here from Jake Salazar who says, Stoke real life top 10 funniest in television right now. He is. I would definitely put him on that list for sure. Uh, thank you let's, so much to Jake Salazar. Let's gush though, Denise. It's time. Here we go. Finally, I feel redeemed. Will, can I start with this? Um, for ahead. those of yeah, you who are wondering, 
Um, our number one is Elijo del Vikingo against Kenny Omega. And man, Will, I went on a rant about this, or not like a rant. I kind of went on a pre-rant on my show on Speak Now on, uh, on F4W. So I'm not going to go on the exact same rant that I did then, but I am going to say this. I feel redeemed for all, and Vikingo should feel redeemed too, for all of the haters and all of the people that were talking shit on this matchup being made out there looking like goofs, posting some dumbass takes, and they went out there, had a freaking phenomenal match, and this is wrestling. This should be fun. This should be entertaining, and that is exactly what we got with this match, and I'm so happy, and I'm even happier that um, we're also getting Commander versus Elijo del Vikingo, um, but let's talk about the matchup itself, Will, because we were just seeing non-stop action here from the very be beginning with Vikingo going right in, getting those dives. We were seeing things that um, it, it, there's only, how do I explain this? The thing about Vikingo, and I ran this down really quickly on my show last time, the thing about Vikingo is it's not just the cool moves that he can do, but it's the way that he executes them where you're like, how is he going to get from this positioning of the ring and to you know what he eventually does? To me, that is the best part about Vikingo, that you're wondering, how is he going to do that? I mean, he does things in there where you're like, I don't even know how he did that. I don't even know how he got from there to there. I got to go back and rewind and watch in slow motion. And he did things here with Omega that were just so fun. I think a lot of people really came out of this going, damn, I want to know more about Vikingo. I want to see more of these different matches. And Kenny Omega, I really miss seeing Kenny Omega in singles action. So getting to see him in there with Vikingo, it was a dream match. And I thought it was freaking cool, man. Um, but, Will, what was your thoughts on this? All right. I have to start with the thing you just said. Um, that there's a lot of people who are saying, ah, why isn't Kenny doing singles? He needs to be doing singles. I'm tired of seeing him in trios, blah, blah, blah. And I will say the longer that they went without him being in singles, the more special this felt. Because um, I know that the thing I should have been anticipating was the match itself. And it was, and it was worthwhile. But just seeing him get his entrance back and all of that felt amazing you know uh, justin roberts doing the entire uh old kenny omega introduction um and look i think kenny omega has top three theme songs in wrestling today and getting to hear that again getting to see him do his pyro all of that stuff felt great it was just cool to see him back in action um sitting in that arena i i'm a people watcher you know that um and i love talking to people i love asking people questions and I love kind of getting people's, just seeing what they think of what's happening. And I was surrounded by people who did not know who Vikingo was. And uh, I watched a lot of them. A lot of them were just there to say like, look, my favorite wrestler is Kenny Omega and I am excited to see him wrestle. That was it. So seeing all of that around my section and watching these people get amazed by Vikingo was goes back to what we talked about on the show last week um, about how give people some credit. I know there's this assumption that, uh, hey, you have to explain what things are and who things are to people because they might not get it. Assume people are smart or can figure things out because the cool thing was uh, I watched people learn who Vikingo was simply by watching this match and learning very quickly oh this guy does this oh this guy can do that oh my god what 
I have never seen offense like that before. I've never seen anything like that before. And Vikingo laid it out perfectly. Um, Kenny Omega did... This is a very different Kenny Omega than we saw when AEW first started. And he's talked about this before, about uh, he, he did... I brought up the Swerve City podcast and he was on... When he was on that show, one of the things he talked about was that the thing he didn't have experience with going into AEW was TV wrestling. And... Now he's very experienced with TV wrestling. He's been doing it for the last four years. And one of the things you can see with him now is how much he can be a good base for an opponent. And the way that he can um, do a lot of the selling for the cameras that make his opponent look better. I think Kenny's selling here and Kenny being that base for Vikingo made this match even better than it absolutely could have been. Um, I think... Uh, Kenny did everything he could to make Vikingo look like $10 billion here before ultimately hitting him with the V-Trigger, hitting him with the uh, One-Winged Angel. But you've already laid into the match enough. I'm not just going to talk about that. I want to talk about the fact that one of the big questions that a lot of uh, AEW's critics were asking going into this was, what's the story? And I... My response to that anytime is watch the show because there was a story here and the story didn't even have to involve Vikingo. Um, the story, of course, uh, the show started with the threading uh, that went all throughout the show, right? It started with the Young Bucks being taken away in an ambulance and Hangman jumping in the ambulance with them and Kenny wanting to go with them, but Don holding him back from doing so. And the story of this match, and the story that's also going into Wednesday's match with Jeff Cobb, which I'm very much also looking forward to, because you can look at the New Japan aspect of that, but just between AEW, there is a story being laid out here of Don Callis has secretly been plotting to keep Kenny away from the elite to get, because he wants his prized pony back, he wants his guy who's winning these singles matches and being at the top of his game, and he has... Is Don Callis behind what happened to the Young Bucks? We don't know yet, but that's a very interesting aspect. Don Callis obviously did the fake out at the end of the show to try and drive a wedge between Kenny and Hangman, or at least keep it larger. And so, of course, the idea that Don Callis has been working to keep Kenny in singles matches, to keep him in high-profile singles matches, that's the story that this match had. And that made perfect sense. You didn't even need, like, whether or not it was Vikingo, the fact that it was a high-profile dream scenario that kept Kenny away from the elite is a story. And that was the story here, and that's the story next week. And it's a good story. I'm really into this. That's the aspect I also liked about it, was that I think this has been some of the most intriguing storytelling that AEW's had in a long time. I'm very much into uh, what Kenny's going to do next, you know, at the Bucks are his friends, but he also is having some really great singles matches because there's a path here now, right? If Don continues to keep Kenny on this path, what's to stop Kenny from eventually getting to MJF? Uh, there's a lot of intriguing stuff here. I'm very into this. This was very good. Um, I loved the post-match stuff with the Blackpool Combat Club jumping Kenny because my immediate thought went to, oh my God, Kenny versus Wheeler Yuta. Oh my God, Kenny versus Claudio. Oh my God, return to Kenny versus Moxley, except Moxley's a heel now. There's so much to see here. Uh, and, you know, the crowd very much wants to see Kenny and Hangman reunite. And we almost got that moment and Don ruined it for everybody. And it didn't get to happen here. Damn it, we're not there yet. This is exciting. This is intriguing. This was my number one. The match delivered. The stories are delivering. This is great stuff.
all around. And I'm so glad that they tied it back up at the end when you had the Blackpool Combat Club and everything that went down because it could have easily just ended with, you know, Kenny Omega getting his arm raised and that's it. But the fact that they kind of tied it up nicely together, that that was really good. Also, we do need to mention that they did play a vignette earlier in the show explaining the situation between Kenny and Vikingo. And I was looking at that and I was, you know, it's funny too. I was laughing because on commentary, they kept making mentions of like, oh, if you don't know. And here's the thing, like people aren't mad if you don't know who Vikingo is. Like that's not the issue. But there were just some people that got really like nasty about it in the sense that they just didn't want the match to happen. And so I, I really like that AEW kind of threw a lot of subtle subtleness about it. Like they threw some subtle remarks about, um, you know, a lot of what was surrounding the conversation on social media but anyways this is great stuff man and i'm happy because i feel like you know those that didn't know vikingo and that were open to seeing the match i feel like anytime you discover a new wrestler that is so good and it's exciting like i love when i discover someone new that i'm like oh my god i really like this guy's work let me go down a rabbit hole and see some of his other matches like that to me is very intriguing stuff but we got a super chat here from brandon rosen who says omega and vikingo was not uh was not of this planet it's like they were moving and fast forward I didn't know who he was before, but I now know I need more Vikingo next on my wish list. Vikingo versus Osprey. Thank you so much to Brandon Rosen for sending in the super chat. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for your feedback. Um, and we got another one here from Anime Otaku who says, would it be inappropriate for me as a white guy in a wheelchair to use that Tupac line when someone tries to move my chair without asking? I think you should use it always. <laughs> I ain't a killer, but don't push me. But you have to end it with that's Tupac like Stokely Hathaway did. <laughs> I love that. Anime Otaku, uh, thank you so much. There you go. There's your answer. Thank you for saying that. Wait, I just got that. Chat. Because it's I had to kill him, but don't push me. That's fucking great. <laughs> I was like, what? Jose That's Palomar. so fucking good. <laughs> Jose Palomaro sends in a super chat. Sunny Kenny's safe handling was what I really loved the most. Overall, the match was incredible, which ended superb. Excited for Kenny versus Jeff Cobb. I'm so excited for that. And I freaking love Jeff Cobb. I'm a big fan of his. I can't wait to see um, what they cook up together. Thank you so much to Jose Palomaris, um for that super chat as well. And we're all caught up, man. Um, but the next time that we're here, Will... We're going to literally be talking about WrestleMania. It's going it? to be weird because, uh, so what are we doing? Night, so will only night one be qualified for after the week this week and then the week after night two? So basically, yeah. I yeah. Because <laughs> I'm looking at my calendar and yeah, our show is going to go on Sunday morning at our usual time slot. And by then, you know, we still wouldn't have had night two of WrestleMania. So we're really going to talk about, you know, night one. But there's going to be so much because, you know, there's just going to be a lot going down in the weekend. You got Stand and Deliver. You got God Hall of Fame. I mean, not Hall of Fame, uh, fucking uh, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor and just all this other stuff. So it's going to be kind of nuts, um, but we'll figure it out. Uh, it's going to be a dope week. Um, I will be in L.A. for a good portion of the week. Um, well, because I still need to do a WrestleMania Night 2 post show. So, Will, if you're down to do the WrestleMania Night 2 post show here on it'll be like after um, I don't know when I would do it. I'll figure it out at some point. I'm. I know you're no, no, but it's not the same time as Fightful. Okay. No. Then yeah, no, I'm going to be at the sure. press conference, so I wouldn't be able right. to do it immediately after Fightful. Anyways, it would probably be like the next day or something. Sure. Why not? That'll so we got to figure it out. All right. Anyways, yeah. as a matter but, of fact, that'll work out a lot better, I think, because then we're not 
kind of pressure to squeeze WrestleMania stuff into the next after the week. So I think right, that'll work exactly. Out. So maybe we can do like a special edition of after the week on Monday just to talk about WrestleMania too. Look we'll at that. figure you get it all out. The will it probably won't be branded as after the week, but regardless, it'll still be a post show because I'm going to want to talk about WrestleMania too someplace. Um, yes. I mean, WrestleMania too. WrestleMania night too. Um, all right. So there you go. Will, please let the people know where they can follow you, show you some love and all that good stuff. Um, you can follow me, William RBR, on Twitter. You can also follow me to the uh, great state of California this week because that's where I'll be uh, traveling to middle of this week. My home, Los Angeles. Um, Denise's home, obviously. But uh, so it, it'll be nice. I'll be seeing folks and having a good time. Looking forward to it. Um, also seeing my brother for the first time in a year, so that'll be nice too. Looking Finally, Will, you've been saying that you're going to go see your brother for like the longest time. I know. Well, he's coming to uh, Wale Mania, so that'll nice, be nice. dope. Anybody who's ever wanted to meet my brother, come meet him at Wale Mania because uh, I know he was quite the heartthrob in the 90s because he was yeah. on Family Matter, Sister, Sister, all that shit. Um, he'll be at Wale Mania. I will be there too. Everybody come on out. Uh, and have a good time. Support everybody who who helped put that on. Kazim and Emilio Sparks. Obviously, Wale as well. Great stuff. Awesome stuff, man. Alrighty, everyone. As for me, please make sure you're subscribed to YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. I'm going to be posting tons of content from this week here on this channel. There's going to be so much. So please check that out. Also, new content that is up. I can't hear you. 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 I can't hear you.